Blog Talk Radio. Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. We and our guests discuss relationships and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. This is Justina, your host. I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Match, the only elite national personalized matchmaking company focus on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the U.S. I'm very excited to welcome Marla Martinson to our show tonight. Marla is an author of three dating books, a professional matchmaker, life coach, and speaker. Tonight we'll be discussing Marla's books, Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is Waiting, and Good Date, Bad Date. Welcome, Marla. Hey, how are you doing? Great to have you on. As a professional dating coach and matchmaker myself, I'm fascinated by insights and perspectives regarding relationships. I've enjoyed reading your books and love to explore some of the insights shared by you. So, Marla, um, to begin with, what prompted you to write these two books in the first place? Well, I always wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl. I was a very creative soul you know I just I mean since I came out of the womb I think I was tap dancing you know it's like I, I was I, I was an actress for a while I studied dance and and I loved to write so I always had that in the back of my mind to write a book one day however since I didn't know I was going to be a matchmaker I had no idea it would be in the dating field but I became a matchmaker 10 years ago just by a fluke got into the business looking for for a different path career path because I came out to Los Angeles to be an actress and ended up waiting on tables more than acting. So when I got into the matchmaking field, I I realized that I had so much insight and information that these singles were were telling me what they were looking for and the feedback that I got after the dates. And I thought, gosh, I, I really have some great stories and some great advice and insight to give people, and I thought I'll, I'll write a book about uh, dating and, and dating advice, and that's what I did. So I wrote Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is Waiting First, and then the publisher wanted a follow-up book, so I did Good Date, Bad Date. So that's I how that it. all came about. Interesting. Now, towards the beginning of that first book you just mentioned, Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is Waiting, you uh, you mentioned the comments that you've received, as you just said, about your, the feedback and the comments you've received from your matchmaking clients with respect to what men and women do and do not want in a soulmate. And I know our listeners would love you to share a couple of the do-wants and a couple of the don't-wants with them. Sure. When I started out in the field, I was uh, working for a video dating service. And I was a videographer, and I would uh, do a five- to eight-minute video of each 
client and sort of interview him. So I loved it. I felt like I was a producer or director doing a little film. And I would say, you know, if it was a woman, I'd say one of the questions I would ask is, what are you looking for in a man? What's the most important, uh, what are the most important qualities for you? And the women would say, number one would usually be great sense of humor, uh, a gentleman, um, and then successful. Those were like the three top things, somebody that can make them laugh and have fun and and uh, take care of them, you know, if they were going to have a family or whatever. So those were top. And then afterwards would be looks. And when I'd ask the men, what are you looking for in a woman, their top answer, I mean, 99%, they'd say first uh, attractive, slender, good-looking, and then they would also say sense of humor, uh, easygoing, those traits. So it was very interesting how it was kind of fl- completely flipped with the men and the women, how the how the men are hardwired to be visual. Um, so, But sense of humor was, was high on the list for both men and women. Interesting. Now, in that same book, you have a series of questions that you suggest readers ask themselves in order to determine, you know, whether or not they're truly ready for a committed long-term relationship. And uh, will you share a few of those questions with our listeners? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you want to if, find out if you're ready to love. You, maybe you're bitter from a past relationship or mm-hmm. had a bad breakup or whatever, had a trauma in your life, and, and you don't want to bring that, that baggage or that negative energy into another relationship so you kind of want to take a look at yourself and ask yourself you know do you see a pattern in your life of floating Mm -hmm. from one relationship to another never really spending time alone to get your to know yourself or work on yourself because um i used to do that i'd jump in from relationship to relationship and uh once after my divorce in the 90s i took five years and i was alone and I did a lot of work on myself, spiritual work and, and workshops and reading and all that. And then when I met my husband five years later that I'm married to now, it was just I was so glad that I did that. So it's really important. Um, also, do you tend to be attracted to the same kind of person over and over? Uh, maybe somebody who neglects your emotional needs or is never around. Um, do you still grieve the past love or hope he'll come to his senses or, and want to reunite? Uh, things like that. Okay. Now, you know, I saw a statement made in your soulmate book particularly compelling. Um, and I'd love to share it with our listeners and then have you expand. Um, and you state in the book, it's imperative to know what you're looking for in a potential mate. But at the same time, you're assessing others for the qualities you desire. The people that you come into contact with are assessing you to see what you bring to the table. Have you considered what you might have to offer a potential partner? Do you have the qualities that will be on someone else's do-want list? We all have our strengths and weaknesses, and sure, in a perfect world, our partner would accept us exactly as we are. But that's not the way it is. If you want to up your chances of finding a partner, you need to take a realistic look at yourself in order to enhance your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. I thought that was a great quote. Um, you know, can you tell us more about that from your experiences? Yeah, well, and you might experience this too as a matchmaker. You know, you'll have people come in who are, who, let's say they're out of shape and could lose 
30 pounds, but they want someone with a, a perfect body. I had a guy, he had to lose at least 50 pounds, big mm-hmm. stomach. And, but he says, I, I want to, I'll only date a woman with a flat stomach and a body like Madonna, you know, perfectly toned. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. you know, and so a woman like that who is really health conscious and into working out and keeping herself fit, she's going to be looking for something similar. She's not going to want to date a guy with that's out of shape. So, so you kind of look at yourself that if you're looking for qualities that you don't have, maybe you're looking for someone wealthy and you're in credit card debt and don't know how to take care of your finances, you might want to look at that. So you want to be the person that you want to date and you're going to be a better match and, and have a better chance to finding that person. It's not fair to ask for all these qualities that you're not willing to step up to the plate and, and be yourself because you want to be a great mate for someone as well. Absolutely. I definitely, you know, have, have run across that as well, um, and and I do agree with that. In um, Now, in your book, Good Date, Bad Date, you have a chapter entitled Living Your Truth to Be the Best You. So I love that, um, you know, that title of that chapter. And do share a few highlights from that chapter, um, one or two highlights from that chapter with our listeners to to get a sense of what it means of living your truth to be the best you. Living your truth to be the You know what? I, where is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm pulling. I know. That's, that's so much. Um, the good, in the Good Day, Bad Day, um, you know, book that you had, book that you had written. Um, it, living your you truth know, to be the best you. See, I don't you. even, isn't that funny? I, I'm looking in here. Well, oh, living your truth to be the best you. Yeah, I've got it right here. So, Okay. You know, I, I write about take your time for spiritual growth. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, live your truth and, and with integrity and and who you're going to be. So I talk about like when I was a little girl and I loved to read and write poetry and and I scared, loved to even draw, though I wasn't very good. And and I was wanted to be in the creative field and and you kind of just you we've got to be ourselves and and really live our true truth and and figure out what we want and what we want for our lives and and be an original um be the best us we can be and not try to be someone else i i mm-hmm. had a friend who she was trying to figure out who to be she had a neighbor who lived upstairs and he was really gorgeous and she wanted she had a crush on him but he had a girlfriend and she would literally put her uh, ear to the wall because she could hear them, the conversations upstairs and hear what they were saying. And, and and she says, well, this girl, she seems kind of like a bimbo, and I think he likes that. Now, maybe I should become a bimbo, and I should be like that because that's what he likes. And, and I thought, are you nuts? You're going to have to be like civil, you know, with a few personalities. <laughs> you don't change change yourself to to attract someone. You have to really be our authentic selves, but the best we can be. So like when I talk about uh, working on ourselves or improving ourselves, because we all have things that we can do better with or improve on, and and it's just great all around, not just to to attract a mate. It's just great for our lives to always see where we can improve. So so I love to tell people to be their authentic self um, in the best version. Ah, I love that. That's what I used to, be the best version of your authentic self. Exactly. yeah, like you said, I mean, you can maybe carry that off for a couple of dates, possibly, you know, but at the end of the day, you really want to be with someone who you can be yourself with, um, you know, otherwise it's uh, 
sort of pointless in my mind. So um, I very much agree with that. In um, that same book, and I'm not, I'm not, I this one, this one, I know. Um, it's what do men want? This is a chapter I'm talking about, and I know you'll be able to do this in your sleep in terms of uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So you devote a chapter to, you know, what do men want? And, again, I'd love you to, you know, these are great books and, you know, um, definitely encourage our listeners to, you know, read them in full. But just a couple of highlights to share with our listeners in terms of, um, you know, from your experiences as a matchmaker and a dating coach, what you know, what do men want? Well, you know, men, the, the biggest thing as a matchmaker, the ch- biggest challenge for me is the men Men are hard, hardwired from the caveman days to be visual, to look for signs of youth and, and fertility. And they still, you know, the, the first thing that they're, they're interested in is how does she look? Is she pretty? Is she gorgeous? Does she have a good figure? Is she, you know, voluptuous or whatever? And that, that's, that's something that's hard for women to get wrap our heads around. Um, even me, when I met my husband, I had very short hair, and I loved that little gamine look with with the short the short hair. And and he he's he's a man, and he's a Latin man, and he loves long hair. And I grew it out for him, and now he just loves it. And ninety nine percent of the men that I would interview um, and ask, you know, if they had a preference, they all say they like long hair. Um, so men, that's their first concern. And then, of course, they want a woman who they love a woman with a sense of humor, a woman who can actually, if they're going to get up in the morning and go take a hike, she's not going to take a whole hour to get ready. They love a woman who can just be casual and look great for a dinner out, but then also just put their hair in a ponytail and and, and go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so those are, you know, the top, some of the top things. They also love a woman who has something uh, passionate in her life. Um, they'll, a lot of times women will say, well, does, does he care if I don't make that much money or what kind of career I have? And the men usually tell me they don't care what a woman's doing uh, as long as she, there's something she's passionate about, whether it be volunteering or being an artist or a career woman. It, it doesn't matter to them, but they love a woman who has something to talk about and something that she's excited about. Oh, I echo that. Absolutely. And, you know, and it really dovetails with what you, you know, we were discussing before in terms of living your truth to be the best Jew. Um, You know, if your lifestyle, if what you're doing does reflect your passions, what, you know, what really makes you tick, it's going to reflect in, you know, the way you present yourself and, and, um, you know, when you meet those men. So, in in your book, again, The Good Date, Bad Date, um, another chapter I'm going to say, um, it was, you know, you're discussing seek abundance, not money. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. Well, I guess that that is uh, probably that chapter in my mind when I was writing it was because I uh, work in Los Angeles. <laughs> So okay. there's a, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, the men want the hottest women they can find and the girls want the richest guys they can find. So a lot of it would be the girl would turn down the date if the guy wasn't driving the right kind of car or how much does he make a year or does he own a home and where and they won't date a guy if he lives in the valley, only Beverly Hills. or stuff. So I had a lot of, to deal a lot with, with, with this kind of um, mentality out here. So I kind of, you know, want to tell people it's chasing just that is not going to make you happy. You want to seek abundance in your life and all, in health, in in um, loyalty, in your emotional quest, spiritual quest, everything. You want to speak, seek abundance in your life, not just money. 
um, there's nothing wrong with money, but you don't want to make that your main focus on on choosing a date or a partner. So that's where, where that motivation came for that that chapter. Excellent. Now the final chapter that I want to talk about because I just I found this again to be something very insightful and something that um just I think universally helpful is um you have a subsection and again you book good faith that day where um you have a subsection that was really cleverly entitled Mind reading is not a communication skill. And I have discussions about this all the time, so I uh, love you to share uh, with our listeners what you what you mean about that. Yeah, um, that goes to, with communication. A lot of people will just assume that the other person should have known or that they already know. And, you know, guys, especially with women, will will think, well, she should have known or he should have known that I wanted this or to do this. So mm-hmm. the, the guys aren't mind readers, so we've we've got to communicate. I had a big communication mess up with, with a, a couple the other day. He, they were scheduled to meet at a restaurant a Friday night, 7 o'clock, and the man called to confirm that she didn't get reception in her apartment, and he te- he uh, emailed her. She didn't get it, but she was there. She paid for valet. She sat there and had a glass of wine, and this is Beverly Hills, so it was all expensive, and she uh, was there and, and emailed me and says, I was there. I was there at 7, and he never showed up. And, and then he says to me, well, I confirmed, but she never did. So I assumed it was off, and she says a gentleman would have been there, and so it was ah, this communication was was just off, and um, so it it all comes down to you really have to communicate what what you want and what you're thinking, and don't assume that the other person just knows what you're Absolutely. expecting. Absolutely, and there's something that in in my mind is somewhat related to this, and again, this I think, again, um, you know, I'm talking about pretty much daily in terms of cautioning readers, and I'd love to hear your take on this, in terms of cautioning readers against, you know, as you mentioned in your books, jumping to conclusions in the dating process. And I know you must have, I'm just going to ask you for one, one, you know, one example of where you saw, you know, um, maybe some, you know, matches you put together, um, where the jumping to conclusions really was a disservice and really, um, you know, not helpful in the whole process. Can you yeah, well, and uh, even I, I know one gentleman, he's, he's always j- jumping to the conclusion. It's funny because they, after a date, he says, uh, he emails me and says, oh, well, Melanie was perfectly lovely. I had a great time, but I could tell she wasn't interested. So uh, let's just move on to the, you know, let's move on to the next match. And then when she emailed me, I said, how was everything? Oh, he was fantastic. I want definitely want to see him again. And he mm-hmm. just jumped to the conclusion that she wasn't interested um, so it's, but sometimes people on a first date, especially when they're going through a matchmaking service, it is basically a blind date. Though mm-hmm. you'll maybe chat on the phone first, but so you got to realize that on the first date you could be a little bit shy, and that goes with internet dating and everything. A lot of the, this new new type of dating is you're really just meeting for the first time on that first date. So kind of cut each other some slack. Um, if it's a little bit awkward, if there's any sparks there at all, you think they're interesting, go ahead and give the person another chance because people also um, are quick. It's like a throwaway society it's, and, and you feel like there's a never-ending supply on the Internet mm-hmm. or at the matchmaking service, just match me with somebody else, next, 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 when you really yeah. should slow down a little bit and and uh, not be so quick to, to discard someone for a little mistake or 
miscommunication. Absolutely, and I, you know, Marla, I'll, I say often that, you know, when you're meeting for the first time or speaking for the first time, you really don't have a database on each other. You don't have context. So it is so easy for each one of us to take every sort of nuance, every word, um, and potentially that might lead to a misimpression, like you said. And um, so, again, like cut slack, I, you know, again, I have to echo that. Um and you mentioned, you know, the online dating, and I know in uh, in in your book, Good Day Bad, that you you share like you have like a dozen um, online dating do's and don'ts, and um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm, I'm thinking maybe share a couple, not um, you have a whole you have a whole dozen, but just just a couple of them that you maybe top most of mind um, in terms of our listeners who may be um, you know in the online dating world and you know, mm-hmm. kind of try to navigate through that. Well, the the big things I hear about the online dating is the people misrepresenting themselves. Mm-hmm. So a picture is so important. And when I used to look on those online dating sites, I'd see people with, I'd see men with like a side view of their face or in sunglasses or a blurry picture. You can't even tell what they what it's just pointless to put it up so put put up a nice have if you don't have one get a digital camera and have a friend take a few photos of you um something that's close up enough where they can see your face something nice doesn't have to don't do a glamour shot where you know you you look way better than you really are but then you don't want to put up your worst shot either so you want to put something up that looks good that represents you something current and smile and look friendly um, ladies, don't put up too sexy of a photo, but don't put up something up that's too uptight either. Because I had, when I worked at the video dating service, people would mm-hmm. look through books at pictures, and I remember my cousin actually came in and joined, and she had on this business suit. Uh, she came straight from work and took her pictures. Not one, I think only one guy selected her, and she's a beautiful girl. But the girl, ladies that had something a little more form fitting showed maybe a little cleavage. Oh, the guys were picking them like crazy because guys are visual. So, so the photo is very important. And then don't misrepresent your your age or your weight because the pe- people are, the person's going to find out when they get there, and that, I think it's embarrassing. They're going to find out anyway. You can't hide that. I thought about that exactly because you know, you know, the end goal for the online well. The end goal, you know, one of the means to the end goal of finding someone is to actually meet that person in person, and so it just it confounds me um, in terms of in terms of you know lie misrepresenting like that. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, the, I'm not sure of the mindset in terms of um, you know that because like I said, you, you really can't get away with that for that long. So it's um, I think but, some people think, oh, I know I'm out, of, you know, older than they want or heavier than they want. But once they meet me, they're going to see how young I look for my age or how fabulous my personality yeah. is. That they they won't care, but but they usually do. And then it's the other person's angry that they've wasted their time and. And you know, so just be yourself. Look, you're gonna. There's somebody for everybody, and and it's better to be be you. And if you feel that you need to to get in better shape or get a more updated look or whiten your teeth or whatever because somebody might not pick you, go do it. You know, start working towards that. And and your age is your age. I I don't subscribe to the line about the age because I look. I mean, I've never met a person who thinks they look their age. Everybody claims eternal youth. Everyone thinks they look so much younger than they are. And I know we all, 
it is hard. Aging's hard, but it's it's the life process, and we have to embrace it and and be proud of who we are in our journey that we've been on. And I just don't subscribe to lying about about the age. And I think there's somebody out there for everyone. My aunt met someone, and she's in her 60s. She met somebody online, and they're as happy as can be. And I matched a guy in his 80s. So there's no age limit to love. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us, Marla. And I'm wondering if there's any last thought or take-home message that you'd like to leave our listeners with. Well, I would just like to leave it with don't. A lot of people get down and discouraged and feel like they're never going to meet the right person. And, and excuse me, your soulmate is waiting. I talk. I use the law of attraction and teach people how to use the law of attraction in finding their soulmate. So you always want to have a good vibration, a high-frequency vibration. I teach how to do it in the book to, to attract somebody because if you're just thinking in your head that there's no good men out there, there's no woman for you, or it's not going to happen, that's exactly what's going to happen. So you really have to train yourself to to think positive and, and know that, that the right person's out there and they're on their way to you. Excellent. I'd like to thank Marla Martinson for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank and you, Justina. And um, and once again, if you'd like to learn more about the insights Marla's been sharing with us today, check out her books entitled, um, the first one, Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is wait- Waiting, the second one, Good Date, Bad Date, and I know you have a third, uh, more recent book, Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. Yeah, so, that's um, my memoir. That's a memoir. That's so a very memoir. fun for guys and girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and, uh, and in case you joined us late or would like to share this show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. And Marla, would you like to share our website with our listeners as well? Yeah, my website is my name, so it's www.marlamartinson.com, and that's M-A-R-L-A-M-A-R-T-E-N-S-O-N, marlamartinson.com. Wonderful. And and I can be reached at just being at intersectionsmatch.com. Um, so do email me with topics you'd like discussed in future shows, and make sure to join us for next month's show. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>